Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to continue preaching messages for the family. Tonight, this might seem what I'm going to preach on tonight. It might seem like something that most people would say, oh, that's not really that important. And but and it's something that I don't think most people really think a whole lot about and worry about, especially these days in this culture. But you're going to find out it is biblical. There's a lot of verses that go along with what I'm going to be encouraging you to do. However, the reasoning behind it may not be what you think. There is a reason for it. And we're going to look and see what that is. But today I'm going to talk about leaving an inheritance. And I know well, yeah, we got to leave that. You know, it's a spiritual inheritance. That's what's important. It's like, no, I'm talking about a financial inheritance. About leaving a financial inheritance. You know, maybe money, land, uh, you know, whatever. Leaving something behind for your children. That is a biblical principle. It's something that the Bible talks about doing. It is a very good thing to do. And... Um, so, but there's a reason for it. And it might not be what you think. But it should be the goal, I, I believe, of every parent for their children to be better off than they were. We need to understand that we're working and preparing for our children to have better lives than we had. That ought to be our goal. We ought to want our children to do better. Our country was founded by people who had that mindset. They came to this country and with the hopes and dreams of something better for their children and their grandchildren. And really, it's always been the mindset until recent history. This present generation is different and it looks like you know, this is probably going to be the first generation to leave things worse for their grandkids or for their children and grandchildren. And really, a very sad thing. But Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8 says, By faith Abraham... When he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whether he went. This, you know, that really is Abraham's an amazing person. The way, the things that God would ask him to do. Remember, they didn't have the word of the Lord like we do today. Abraham didn't even have the book of Genesis yet. Moses didn't come for years later, and God would speak to Abraham. It's like, well, God spoke to Abraham. You know, that would do a lot. But here's the thing. We can read the story of Abraham in a day. But sometimes God would speak to Abraham, and it might not be for years later that God would speak to him again. I mean, years and years. And God tells Abraham, I want you to go to another land. I want you to go to another place. A place he doesn't know where it's at. You know, anymore, if we're going to travel, we can go online, we can look up, see what's there, we can learn about the place, you can go on Google Earth and actually see what it looks like, and I mean, you can, you can go pretty much anywhere online, find out a lot about things, but he didn't have a clue what it was like where he was going, he knew nothing about it, and God told him to go there. And it says, by faith, he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one of him as good as dead, so as many as the stars in the sky and multitude and the sand which was by the seashore innumerable. You know, Abraham went there all by himself, but now we have no idea how many Jews there are out there. I mean, you can't. You can't count them. You can't number them. 
And then verse 13 says, These all died in the faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. For they that say such things declare, declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country that is in heavenly, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He had prepared for them a city. So right here we see an example of Abraham. Somebody who left his home seeking for a city, seeking for something better for future generations. Not for himself. He was looking way down the road when he went out there and he was hoping and praying it was his desire that uh, these promises would be fulfilled and he believed they would be fulfilled by faith. He had that. that this Him leaving the Ur of the Chaldees like he did really meant was going to mean a harder life for him. Ur of the Chaldees, that area that's in Iraq, you know, modern day Iraq, and it's what they call the cradle of civilization. And that, I mean, during that time, it was a pretty prosperous place, a big city. He probably had a lot more comforts there. We know all of his family was there. We know that Abraham's family, they were uh, an idolatrous people. They didn't serve the true God like Abraham did. But God called Abraham out of there to leave those comforts, to go somewhere where he would be a stranger. I don't Abraham, I imagine you know, we don't know a whole lot about uh, you know, his position where he was from, but I imagine people knew who he was. They knew his family. He they might have even been people of great importance, but he was going to a place where he is the outsider, where he's the stranger. And he did this because God told him to, but there was a purpose that God told him. This is something that's for future generations. I'm wanting to raise up a nation, a, a group of people that I can give my law to. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to multiply you, Abraham. Your seed, like the stars of the heaven. All these promises that God gave to Abraham were something that was way down the road that Abraham wouldn't see. And Abraham went forward with it and he did it just like God wanted him to do. Abraham was working toward a goal that he would never see the results of. And you know... When I think about America, when I think our own country, that's exactly what our forefathers did. They were willing to die. You, you know, when you read about the Revolutionary War, I mean, these men who, I mean, went and fought battles that they knew that more than likely they were not going to come out of there alive. What's the purpose of that? Why would you go and lay your life down like that? And it was because they wanted better for those future generations. They were, they were looking ahead. And that's why they were able to do that. When you think about all the people who left uh, you know, other countries, the people who came over on the Mayflower and the Pilgrims and all these people who came and lived very difficult lives, they were doing it thinking about future generations. And some things literally take generations to get better. I mean, it, things just don't get better overnight. And it, it wasn't that way in the Bible. It's not. It's never been that way in history. Some things, at times, it takes a long time. And thank God we have people in our history that were willing to work towards something they would not see the results of. You know, the freedom that we've had in this country that 
because we're not looking ahead, we're losing all the time. But you know what? Our forefathers, many of them that died, they, they didn't get to see that. They didn't get to see the results of the sacrifice that they made, but they made them anyway. Because they had that mindset of looking ahead. And we need people today that will have that mindset. We need you know, mothers and fathers that have that mindset for their children that they will that they'll work for something. They'll sacrifice for something that's it's difficult. It's going to mean their life is harder. But they're doing it because they know the next generation will be better off if they do it. And brother, Nez, were you born in America? Or were you born? You were born in Mexico. Why'd you come to America? <laughs> I thought, hey, this is going to be a better place for me to raise my kids. Yeah. A good friend of mine that I used to work with, named Jose, I was, I was talking to him one time at work, and I asked him. I said, you know, so what made you come to America? There's, I, I, I said, I said, so how'd you come to America? I just basically wanted to get the story how I came, and he said, I ran. <laughs> and I said, I said, what? And he's like, I ran. And he's like, so what are you talking about? He said, this guy, he dropped me out of this place. said, America's that way. You better run. And he's like, I just, I took off running. And he, he, it was somewhere uh, in California. And he just kind of knew what direction to go. And he eventually uh, found somebody over there that helped take him to where his family was. I mean, he, and he was telling me the story, man. He got hungry. He, he thought he was going to starve to death. At one point, he got so hungry, it took a long time. He said he went uh, into the... He, he got there in California and his family that was there, they were going to help him get to Chicago where he had some other family. And so they got him. He didn't know any English at all. And he, they got him on an airplane and sent him to Chicago. And he was going to meet a cousin there at the O'Hare Airport. You know, a huge airport. He was going to meet a cousin there that he hadn't seen since he was just a little kid. And the only thing he remembered about this cousin is he had a mole on his lip. And he's like, and he said that he got there to the airport and he had nowhere to go. He had no idea what to do. You know, he didn't want to talk to too many people, you know, because, you know, he, he was an illegal immigrant. And uh, obviously, they didn't have as much of the security and stuff as they, they do now. But he's like, he said, I walked all over that airport looking for a Mexican with a mole on his lip. <laughs> and he's like, and he literally walked around that airport the entire night. And it wasn't until the next day he finally found him. And they, they found him and they, they brought him home. He stayed with them for a while and while he was here. He studied English and learned it. And, you know, he ended up, you know, now today, you know, he, he has a good job. He's got two kids. And, they, I mean, he's, he's doing real well. He owns several houses and rents them out to people. And every year they take a trip to Mexico. And he said every year, you know, all year the clothes and things that their kids grow out of. They always save those things. And when they're going, uh, when they're traveling to Mexico, a lot of times they'll see people out there along the road, you know, need help and stuff. And they'll give people clothes and shoes. And I mean, they just, they go back there and help people. And he says, and he loves it because, you know, his kids see that. And it helps his kids to be thankful that they live in America. And he really appreciates this country because, I mean, he went from almost starving to death to, to, when he first came here to now, you know, he's doing real well. Drives a nice car, has a nice house. And um, he, that's why he came. Wanting a better life, not just for himself, but for his children. And But he had to go through some hard times. He had to sacrifice. But it was worth it. And I'm telling you, boy, that mentality is just leaving. Because now we've had so many generations, you know, I don't even know 
which one of my ancestors it was that came over to America. I don't, I don't know how far back it goes. And sometimes we just get spoiled with what we have and we don't think about leaving more for the next generation than what they had before. You know, back in the old days, you know, they would go and they'd get a piece of land that they would farm and they, you know, they'd clear the trees and get that place ready and so, you know, they might have a few acres of land, but they try to expand it so they would have something for their children, and they would try to, uh, you know, prepare things and clear them so that next generation it would things would be a little better for them. We think about all the traveling that we're able to do. I mean, we can travel cross country so easy, but you know what? There was pioneers that had to go and first find out, hey, you know, how do you get to these places? You know, where can we get through these mountains? Uh, and people who started making the roads at first they just Wore them down from using them dirt roads, and then you know now we have these nice paved roads. But it took time, it took sacrifice, it took people with a vision trying to make something better. And that's what Abraham did when he came. He's looking for something better for future generations, something he would never see the results of. But Abraham, he was willing to do without during his life. So his ancestors would have a better life. It says in verse 9 of Hebrews 11, it says, By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles. Okay, tabernacles, those are tents. When he was in Ur of the Chaldees, I don't know this for sure, but I'm going to bet he probably wasn't living in a tabernacle. He probably had an actual house. He probably lived in the city. Things were easier. Things were more convenient. But he went to a land where he'd have to live in tents. Where he'd have to move around all the time. Who knows, maybe for years his family had lived in the city that he was from. And he left all that because he, and where they were at in early colonies, it was a wicked place. It was an idolatrous place. It was no place to raise a family. And he left that. And by faith, Lot, unfortunately, didn't have the same mindset as Abraham. Lot, when he had a choice of which way to go, he looked and pitched his tent towards Sodom. Because that was a place where things looked easy. There was a city there. It was a well-watered place. That looks like easy street over there. So he takes his family there, but they were absolutely wicked there. And listen, I don't think it's... I don't know for sure that it's biblically wrong to live in a city, but man, these cities are wicked out there. And people that move to a city just so they can make more money, I don't know, boy. I don't know I don't know if it's worth it. First of all, everything's more expensive there, too. So I don't even know if you're even making much more money if it all is just going out the window. But boy, we always ought to consider, hey, is this a good place to raise a family? Always keep that in mind. But Abraham, he did without. He lived in tents. That's what our pion- the pioneers did. They came over on not cruise liners like we have today. I mean, they came over on junky boats. I remember one time there was there was some oh where where was it? There was some. It was a cruise ship that was having problems, and it was in this other country. And I remember it was so funny. They had this girl. She was like, she was some college age girl. They were interviewing her after they got off this boat, and she's just bawling and crying. We didn't have any food or water or nothing, and nobody was doing anything about it. I mean, just throwing a fit. And you know what? She just had to travel for a little while, like people would for months, 
back in the old days to get to America. And she was on there throwing it. It was funny. The news media was actually making fun of her. I mean, she was throwing a hissy fit because for a few days she had to ride around on a boat without plumbing and without air conditioning in her room. And I thought, man, what a spoiled, selfish generation we have today. And you think about the pioneers and what they dealt with and what they went through. I mean, when we travel, you know, we've got to have air conditioning. You know, we've got to have all these fancy cars and things that are, I mean, if our air conditioner's out, we're a victim. If our air conditioner's out, you know, we're, you know, crying to the government to, you know, help us out. You know, how dare, you know, it's not fair that we need equality in the world because some people have to drive without air conditioners, you know, and take more from the rich so we can have air conditioning. Man, they used to travel on horseback or on foot. And they did that and it, none of it was easy. But it was trying to think, hey, this is for future generations. This is so they can have a better life. Abraham, during his time, he was willing to fight battles to protect his ancestors' futures. When Abraham went into uh, the land of Canaan, which is now Israel, who lived in the land of Canaan? Anybody? The Canaanites. <laughs> the Canaanites, Hittites, the Amorites, Parasites, Jebusites. You know who those people were? The Canaanites? They were the descendants of Ham's son, Canaan, who God cursed because of Ham's sin. The Canaanites were a wicked, wicked people. That's who he had to dwell among and sojourn around. And there were many battles that they had to fight that many times... God would tell them, "Hey, you're going to have to wipe these people out because their wicked, you know, their wickedness is great. I mean, they serve gods like Molech and all. They they'd have their children pass through the fire. I mean, sacrifice their own children to these gods. I mean, these people were absolutely wicked. I was reading uh, just yesterday in some of the Old Testament law, just reading some of the different laws and things, and it." You know, God would mention how these are the things that I don't want you doing that the Canaanites do. The people that are in the land where I'm sending you to dwell and you've got to drive them out because He didn't want them doing the things that they do. And you know what the sad thing is? There's so many people out there that one, they don't know the Bible very well and they love to bring these things up. You know, I can't, you know, a God that believes in genocide and going and killing, you know, killing all these people and killing all these entire nations. And it's like, you know what? Here's the thing when it comes to some of these wicked nations. They don't there's not much there's nothing that will change them other than Jesus Christ. Absolutely nothing. I mean, you think about the countries that we've gone into to spread democracy and we go there and we spend billions of dollars and we get rid of their dictators and things. And what do they do when we have elections? They elect another dictator. Nothing changes. It doesn't really get any better. We don't help these people. And the, uh, the sad thing is too, some of these same people who cry about how terrible the Bible is because God would have them go and defeat all these people, they want us to go into some of these African countries and things and help them out where all the genocide and things are going on. And the truth is, many of them are also descendants of Ham and Canaanites and things. And they want us to go and kill those people. And here's the thing, if we did, if we did go take over those countries so we could spread democracy and thing, as soon as we leave, they're going to go right back to what they were doing before. 
That's what they do every time. These countries out there, their only hope is Jesus Christ. That's it. That's their, that's their only hope. And these are the people Abraham had to go dwell among. That wouldn't be real exciting. But it was where God called them, and it was in you know the Lord gave them deliveries when they'd fight the battles. Many times later in history, they decided we're not going to fight these battles. We you know let's just make alliances, let's make peace with these people. And then later on in future history, it ended up causing them problems. The next generations would get hurt when they wouldn't fight the battles. But Abraham, he was willing to fight some of these battles, so. Future generations would be okay. Sometimes they weren't a threat immediately to him. They weren't gonna. They weren't a danger to him. There were many times people when they when Abraham came along, they wanted to be his friend, but he wouldn't do it because it would have been a problem for future generations. Once again, thinking about the next generation, he was wanting to leave an inheritance. That inheritance that he had, Abraham was a very wealthy person, but he was trying to leave them land for one. Leave them land, the land of Israel, which, by the way, this is just a side note, is supposed to be a lot bigger than it is right now. There's a lot more land that's not called Israel now that's supposed to be Israel's land. And someday God's going to give it back to them. But uh, Abraham, once again, willing to fight battles so the future ancestors would be okay. That's what our forefathers did. They fought battles that maybe then things weren't a huge problem. I mean, really, how much trouble could King George have caused America way back then when he's way over in England? But he was able to cause some problems. And it was only going to get worse as time went on. And you know what? I'm glad they dealt with it back then. And we're not dealing with it today. But that's always been the mindset of people in the Bible. They're trying to leave an inheritance. Said uh, an inheritance of land. An inheritance of prosperity. So the next generation can have a better life. Now the question comes up though. Well, Here's the thing then. Because if, if leaving an inheritance is so important, and it is. Proverbs 13.22 says, A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. So leaving an inheritance to your children's children, your grandchildren, pass something down. And that's talking, by the way, that's talking financially here. Luke 15.14, the, prod, the prodigal son, it says, And when he had spent all, well, what did he spend? It was inheritance. He got it early. He went and demanded it from his father. And the term prodigal, it means a waster. That whole story is about how the prodigal went and wasted everything he had. He wasted his inheritance. He spent all. Okay, God doesn't like when we spend all. Proverbs 21.20 says, There's treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man spendeth it up. Okay, we're wanting to do that flooring out there. And I was looking at it, you know, with that estimate we have, with what we have in the building fund, and what we have saved, we could just about pay for it. But we'd have to spend all. Well, we're not going to spend all right now. You don't, you don't spend everything you have, okay? You've got to save stuff for a rainy day. That's just wise. So, we see where God clearly likes that. So, does that mean then that Paris Hilton's father or grandfather that left her all that money was doing a good thing. Because look what she's done. Look at all the good things she's done with that money. 
I mean, look at all the parties that she's got to have, and just all the. I mean, uh, is that what it's talking about? I mean, you look about look at all these just spoiled pieces of trash that are out there in Hollywood. They've never done anything, but they inherited loads of money, and they just done nothing but party with it. <laughs> a guy I work with, it, it just cracked me up. Something he said the other day was talking about, you know, these singers and stuff that are always ended up on drugs and stuff, and just and uh, he, he mentioned um, Justin Bieber and Selena Gomez. They're, oh, they're already having drug problems and things, and he was just like, you know. What they just need, these people, their problem is they've just got so much money, all they do is party. And they don't do anything else. What they need to just do is ship all these celebrities that do that off to some island somewhere and just send them a shipment of drugs every month. <laughs> just, that way we don't have to put up with them and hear about them and stuff. And I was like, that's, that's not a bad idea. And you know what? They're so stinking rich, they could afford that. They could go have a private island somewhere and do nothing but party and have drugs shipped to them every month. Is that the kind of inheritance we're talking about here? Because that's what usually happens with a generation that's left a fortune. But God said, we need to lay something up. But the thing that these other people have forgotten, the thing that Paris Hilton's father, grandfather, whoever left her all of her money, didn't understand. Have you ever heard the audio of her screaming and crying when she's going to get thrown into jail? That's pretty funny. Uh, yeah, it's it's pretty funny. I mean, she's just bawling. Her money wasn't going to save her then. They forgot something very important. There's a reason that God wanted them to pass these things down that are financial. Because and we see with Abraham, go to back to Hebrews chapter eleven, verse fourteen. Because I'm telling you, the inheritance isn't saying go party. Okay, that's what the prodigal son did with his inheritance. He went and partied. But it says in verse 14, for they, plain, for they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country, and truly if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to, re, uh, to have returned. But now they desire a better country. That is an heavenly, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He had prepared for them a city. When Abraham left Ur of the Chaldees, and when he came to Israel, or to the land of Canaan, to start basically preparing to leave an inheritance to the future generations. This inheritance that he was trying to leave was not so they would be rich and prosperous, even though he did want them to be rich and prosperous. The point of them being rich and prosperous wasn't so they could sit around and eat, drink, and be merry. It was so they would be free and able to serve God and eventually end up in the heavenly country. That's why they came over to America. Because there wasn't religious freedom in these other countries. And so they thought if we come over to America and we start a Christian nation based on biblical principles, then future generations will be free to worship God. That's the inheritance they wanted to leave. Sometimes they might have wanted even they might have wanted to leave people who came from other countries to America. One of the reasons they want to leave is yes, they were starving. It was tough financially, and you know what? It's hard to focus on spiritual things when you're starving to death. It's hard to you know to serve God and to worship God like you're supposed to, and to teach your children to do those things when they are about to starve. When people get hungry enough, and we think we get hungry in this country sometimes, but when people get hungry enough, they can become like animals. 
I mean, they really can become like animals. It's horrible what can happen to people if they're hungry enough. And you do, it's hard to be spiritual and it's hard to focus on spiritual things when, when you're starving to death, when you don't have a place to live, when you don't have the clothing you need. And that's why they came to America. They wanted things to be good and that's why they tried to leave these inheritances. That's why they tried to make this a better place financially. It was not so we could have a country where we could sit around and party all the time. It was so we could pursue that heavenly country. The same thing that Abraham wanted. Looking for a a better country. That is, a heavenly country. And that's why we want to pass something better on to our kids. I want to pass some things on to my kids. I want to to teach them how to be better off than I am financially. I I want them to have better things than I have financially speaking. But that's so they can spend more time serving the Lord. You know, maybe if my kids are smart enough, they can figure out a way to make a whole bunch of money and that way they'll have more time to serve the Lord instead of like I do where i got to bust my back at Walmart stacking boxes. You know, cause I, and so maybe if I can teach them how to do some of these things a little better, they'll have more time to serve God. They'll have more time to pursue that heavenly country. And this the whole idea of leaving an inheritance is not so our, the next generation can have a life of luxury and just totally throw out the spiritual things. It's so they will be able to freely pursue that heavenly country. To pursue the spiritual. That's why Abraham did it. It wasn't just about having a land of freedom. That When our forefathers came to America and they fought and died in those battles and when they just sometimes lived the difficult lives as the pioneers like they did and got sick and died or many I know many died just coming over on the boats to America. The reason they were wanting to do that was because they were thinking about a place where they would be better off so they could pursue the spiritual. So they could serve God. Have that religious freedom. So they could live good, clean, moral lives. They didn't want their daughters being tempted and be, and feeling like their only option was to be a prostitute. That's not what they wanted for them. Our country right now, we're so well off financially that girls these days, it's almost promoted for them to be harlots just for free. And it's celebrated. I mean, it's just, it's absolutely disgusting where our countries come morally and people say, well, we need the freedom to do these things. That's not what it was all about. That is not it. Freedom is not just the freedom to do whatever you want, it's the freedom to serve the Lord and to pursue His will and to follow His word, seeking after a better country, a heavenly country. And that's what Abraham was trying to do. It's harder for someone who gets saved late in life to follow the commands of the Bible than for someone born in a Christian family. I mean, you think about a first generation Christian. I mean, now, thank God, I was born in a Christian home. I was born going to church. But you know what? I, I can't imagine what it would be like giving up all the junk that's out there. You know, thankfully, I, I've not had to figure out what it's like to give up drugs and alcohol and tobacco and all those things that people are addicted to. I mean, not and not even just those, but some of the vile sins that are out there. That I mean, it's tough for people to give up. It's tough for them 
To, there's things out there. There's pleasures of this world that is really hard for people to let go of. And the devil, he's good at tricking them and telling them, hey, you, you know, you can't live without these things. And they think that those sins are making their lives better. And it's really hard. But you know what? Sometimes the Lord will save those people and they'll give those things up. But it's tough. It's really hard. But if they, they stay faithful and then they teach their children, their children never have to face those things. You know, they, people, you know, parents especially who had problems with alcohol and things before, I mean, they do not want their children dealing with those things. Not at all. Because Why? Because they want their children to be better off. And you know what? It is. It's a little easier for the next generation. The way it's supposed to get is for each generation, it should be even easier for them to do right spiritually. You know, my kids, hopefully, you know, hopefully that, you know, that's not going to be a huge problem for them. It shouldn't be. They didn't have to live with it growing up. And you know, it's, it's really sad that when you see a young person who was raised right and stayed away from all those things, and they fall for the advertisements out there and they fall for the tricks of the devil and say, you know what, I think I missed out on something good and they go after those things. It's sad when that, when that happens. But you know what? The truth is, it's not hard to give up something you never had. And you know what? There's people out there all over this community that we need to reach for Christ. And it is. It's going to be hard for them to give up some of the sins. But boy, they can get that pioneer spirit. They can get victory in their life. It can be easier for the next generation. The things that we're trying, that we want to do in this church. I mean, there, there's, you know, challenges. You know, we're, we're trying to raise just a few thousand dollars to, you know, do the flooring stuff out there. Well, that, that, that's pretty tough right now. Someday, we might be able to say, hey, we need three thousand dollars for something. Raise it that night. That might that might happen. Today's not that day. Now it's a little. Now it's a little more difficult. We got to work. We got to work a little harder to make things happen. We have, we have a friend day. You know, we let's say we want to have a high day at seventy. We want to get seventy-five people in here. That, that might be tough. There might be a day when we. It's not. We might get seventy-five visitors on friend day. But you know, it's it's going to take time. We're going to keep working towards it, and so it'll be better and it'll be easier for the next generation. The whole purpose for Abraham and our forefathers wanting something better physically, wanting something better financially, is so they could concentrate on the things that are spiritual. That's the purpose of it. That's why we want to leave an inheritance behind. But you've got to train them right. Because you know the truth is, most kids, all right, most, most young people, especially in their early 20s, 30s, if mom and dad died and left them a million dollars, what do you think would happen? They're going to go crazy. They're just going to go crazy. They're going to be partying. And it would literally destroy their lives. But if you raise them right, okay, if they're, if they're raised right, if they're taught right, I'd like to think, if I inherited a million dollars, I'd like to think, okay, it hasn't happened yet, uh, but I'd like to think that I'm going to do a whole lot of good with that. I mean, good night, a million dollars? Boy, what we could do around this church, I could quit my job, I can focus 100% on just serving the Lord. I think I would do that. 
I hope I would do that. I hope my children would do that. But I need to make sure that not only if I do leave an inheritance like that, right now it's not looking real good, okay, as far as a lot of money. But hopefully I've left something more important, and that's something spiritual in their life, that if I was able to do something that would free them up to do nothing but serve the Lord, that they would do nothing but serve the Lord. And not just go party. And that's what the whole point of these verses in the Bible are about leaving an inheritance. It's not because God wants your children's children to be rich. It's He wants them to be free to serve Him. And that ought to be the goal of every parent. Okay, And so not, not to leave our kids millionaires, but to leave them in a better position so they can have a better walk with God and better serve the Lord. So with that, let's all stand together.